This show is part of the Miles Offside Podcast Network. Visit twitter.com slash milesoffsidepod for more information. And now, on with the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. Nope. My name is Oscar. No, you don't like it? Nope. <laughs> no, don't like change. <laughs> don't like it. Welcome to season two of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. Do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like new things. I like it. Ugh. Listen, old man, the world is moving on and you got to keep up. No, our <laughs> 10 listeners want you to go and right, okay, for a ridiculously fine, long time. Fine. And yeah. welcome to another season of the Miles Offside podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Chuck Bailey. And with me also, as always, is super producer, Ian Stimson. You work on enough to get a new intro in, but you don't work enough to get it from that awkward and also with me as always. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that part, no, that part is like us through and through. Like, that's got to stay in. And you changed whole lot of nothing to whole lot of nonsense as well. Yeah, I mean, it ostensibly that makes a lot of sense. Little, little it is better. It is better. You know, we grow, we improve. It's season two, we got to make... Make improvements, we develop. right? This is our awkward second album. No one really knows what's going to happen. It could either be, you know, we just crash and burn and everyone's like, oh, remember those guys? Nope. Or it's like a Premier League foreign player coming in and the second season is really where we really bed in and we're just going to smash like 30 goals. There's a lot of different analogies you could use for this, yeah. Yeah. Sloppy seconds. Um, oh, not that one. Terrible twos. Um, oh, I bet you know all about that, or you will soon enough. Oh, I thought you were talking about shit, but no, children, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, interchangeable. Uh, I guess we should introduce ourselves in case we have picked up any new listeners. My name is Oscar Puente, I'm your token resident American and Chelsea fan and super nerd and mega stats guy. Uh, we have Chuck, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name's Chuck, um, I drink too much and I'm a bit of a prick. Genuinely sounded like you were using it as an AA meeting there. (laughs) (laughs) And Ian, for the listeners? Uh, I cut this all together. I'm the audio man. I'm also the everyman casual. I mean, I haven't got a Premier League team. I've got a lower league team. A leader of men. A bastion of ordinary. (laughs) (laughs) I like the first bit. Then you had to ruin it. Yeah. You forgot to throw in ancient old man as well. Looks like Phil Collins. Looks like Phil Collins, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my tropes. I'm an old man who looks like Phil Collins, yeah. Yeah, old and northern. Uh, Northern, that's right. He was hoping to shed that tag. (laughs) Yeah, I was hoping that wouldn't follow me into season two. Oh, it did. All right, you can't get away from your your faults. Wow. Everyone have a nice little break? Everyone have a nice nice time? Yeah, I had a real good time. Been traveling a bit, not too much, been relaxing a lot. How about yourself? Yeah, fathering... Right, when you say fathering, you don't mean new children. No, no, not siring. Parenting the one you've got. Parenting the one I've got. And she started nursery now, so she like runs around all the time and yeah. Is that like pre K? Nah, surely she's too young for school. 
What? What's pre-K? What's nursery? It's what you do before ketamine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have kinder pre-kindergarten and kindergarten before you start school proper for like little children. But that's like four-year-olds and five-year-olds or something. No, this is just where you pay people a lot of money to sit around and yeah. just make sure they don't kill themselves. Oh, like daycare. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Daycare. Like a child dumping ground so as you can go to work and pay for the childcare. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is perfect. We're already getting into American versus British words. This is great. Exactly. Right this is another one it. of our tropes. If you're a new listener, this is another one of our tropes. American versus British. Yeah. I don't know about versus. That usually, well, you know, if we'll, we'll get to the Women's World Cup in a second, but the versus doesn't go so <laughs> well for you guys. <laughs> but we will kick off the week as we always do with our rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Our top story this evening, gentlemen, the long national nightmare is over. Daniel Sturridge has been reunited with his missing dog. That didn't take long. No. No, it didn't. Well, when you offer an unlimited reward, basically, I I will pay anything to get this dog back. What's the story then? How did he get the dog back? Someone bought a new one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like imagining someone like like Butters from South Park dressed up as a dog. (laughs) Just going back to claim the reward. Uh, margarine, right? Oh no, there's also an episode where they make him be a dog too, right? Woof, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, nin- it's a it's Ninja the Star episode, isn't it? Because he's got a Ninja Star in his eye and then they force him to be a dog so they can take him to a vet. Poor Butters. <laughs> he really is like the... Gets a lot of abuse on that show. I'm very much the Butters of this podcast, I feel. That is... You're not going to disagree. Chuck's the Cartman, clearly. <laughs> and I'm just like... No, you're Token. I'm Token, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm the token. All right. Well, Sturridge had offered a 30,000 pound reward for the return of his dog. He said he can't believe it. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone on social media who supported and raised awareness. He didn't say if he had paid a reward. The L.A. police are investigating, but no arrests have been made. He found the dog two gardens over, clearly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any, uh, any of you have a dog that ran away before? No, it's a dog, isn't it? Just get a new one. <laughs> Jesus, oh, Jesus We're a nation of dog lovers, Chuck. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a cat. I had a dog that ran away when I was um four and uh my postman found it a couple of streets down, uh snuffling round a uh in a another garden's rubbish bin. Was that the first dog? Like were you were they still only being domesticated for the first time back then or it was actually a wolf. <laughs> it's a wolf. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, we were hunting with spears and that. Carry on. Motherfucker, I can't believe this. <laughs> I, I just can't believe this. Well, to keep it moving... If you would. Lionel Messi has been shown only the second red hit card of his career as Argentina beat Chile 2-1 in a hot-tempered Copa America third-place payoff. It was his first red card in 14 years, and... The only red card he's gotten since his international debut for Argentina. He's never gotten a red card in league play or Champions League play. What was it for? Was it a straight red? Uh, it was a straight red. There were some handbags. It's handbags. And then he got pushed like five times by... Is it Medel? Yeah, Gary Medel. Gary. That classic Chilean name. Um, <laughs> and it's just him getting pushed a lot. And then the referee comes over and gives Messi a red card. Yeah, it did seem really harsh. Because he didn't, like, push back. He fouled Medell, and then that guy popped up and, like, got all in his face. But Messi didn't really react at all. He just kind of, like, had his hands open and was like, what, what, what? 
But he got the... They both got the straight red. Well, he's no Gary Lineker. Uh, well, keeping it in the red card in the Copa America family, uh, Manchester City's Gabriel Jesus scored, assisted, was sent off, and pushed the VAR monitor as Brazil won their first Copa America title in 12 years, beating <laughs> Peru 3-1. to one. What a guy. That's the real quadruple. Yeah, exactly. That's that. <laughs> Domestic and international quadruple. Do we know why he pushed the VAR monitor? I didn't watch this match, to be honest with you. I was watching Spider-Man instead. <laughs> this is also a trope, new listeners. We don't watch the football. Well, you know, I watched the Women's World Cup final and the Gold Cup final that day. I just took a little break in between. Three in one day seemed a lot. Yeah. And there's AFCON and Copa America. Yeah, AFCON's in the quarterfinals right now. Yeah, go every coast. To keep it topical, going all the way back to July 4th, because um, we have taken a little bit of a break, but we got to keep up with the news stories. Frank Lampard leaves Derby County to officially become Blues manager. We've talked about this many times now, as the rumors have picked up steam, but it is official. Chelsea have appointed former midfielder and greatest of all time player Frank Lampard as their manager on a three-year deal. Lampard, 41, has left championship side Derby County to take over at the club. Good idea, bad idea. I mean, the whole Chelsea situation is so messed up anyway now because of, you know, transfer ban and injuries and uh, putting in a new manager. So you wonder if it's going to be giving him a free hit or it's just like, a, uh, well, we can't really fuck it up. But I just find it weird that he's gone to Chelsea, is now, I think he's the youngest manager to ever take a top six side. And he's done one season in which he took Derby from 6th to 6th. <laughs> You're fully in on this though, Oscar. I mean, I've seen your your tweets now. You're f- fully paid up member of the Lampard... Well, you've always been a fully paid up member of the Lampard fan club. Yeah, obviously. I have his ta- face tattooed on my ass, so... Yeah, exactly. And his ass tattooed on your face. <laughs> it's off-putting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, fu- you're fully into this now. Oh, fully in. Yeah, I was like hesitantly kind of sort of like yeah you know what i can see what they're going for and then everyone on twitter was a bunch of assholes about how stupid we are for signing him and i was like okay (laughs) fuck you bring it on let's do this i am all in on frank and honestly he's gotten to work since he came back he already like significantly and radically changed the youth program what so he just didn't loan them all out (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's fucking got no choice has he uh um i for the record yeah i think that is why they brought him in like, it is because of the transfer ban and Hazard leaving. Like, it next year is a rebuilding season anyway, so might as well bring someone in that the fans are going to be supportive of, basically independent of the results on the pitch. Like, the good times are rolling, and everyone's all in on Lampard at this point. Like, it's a perfect storm for Chelsea, really, because, like, manager-wise, they had to downgrade their expectations from a Sarri, uh, Conte, who, you know, whoever. Yeah, exactly. So, so because of the transfer ban and because they didn't challenge for the title, this seems like a significant jump downwards just because of lack of experience. But like Chuck said, he's also probably going to get a free hit because of this transfer ban. Absolutely. It's the extent of the free hit. We spoke about it, you know, a few episodes previous, but it's the extent of the free hit, isn't it? Because, I mean, Chelsea fans aren't going to accept a 12th, are they? No, 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 no. But I don't think we, like, honestly, I don't think we're at risk of that. Like, we lost Hazard, which will keep us almost certainly out of the top four. But, like, I don't think we're that knocks us all the way down to seventh, especially bringing in Pulisic, who's coming off an amazing summer for the U.S. 
That's the thing. I mean, Liverpool lost Coutinho, and as you know, at the time it seemed like a big deal, and yeah. now we're sort of you know challenging for the title. So maybe maybe you'll be all right, but I don't know. Um, but with the youth thing that I was talking about before, just to come back to it, when AVB came in in 2011, he changed the rules around the youth training so that they basically were like completely and forever separate from the senior players. So they couldn't eat together. They couldn't use the same weight room as them. They couldn't train on the same pitches as them. It like fully, fully separated them. Really? And Lampard has already, and no one had done anything to change that. Um, huh. Like that's totally different from the Man City philosophy. Yeah, exactly. Where their academy like includes youth women's team right. and senior men's team all in the same sort of all in the same facilities. I mean that's and that seems like the obvious way to go. I mean Man City, as much as people say they're a money club or whatever, Man City have been amazing for the community. Like their 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 owners have been really good for um pushing the club's work in the community. But I mean, that that seems like an incredibly late thing for Chelsea to do. Well, they used to have it that way. Like when Lampard and Terry were here and were like the like heart of the club, really. They used to go to youth practices like several times a week, um, and they made it a point to reach out to those kids and try to like embed them in the sort of Chelsea way of thinking or whatever. So it makes sense that now he's here, he's officially doing that. He also pledged to make matches and training as well, which not a lot of senior managers go to youth training. No, God, no. Um, and it's such a stark contrast to Sari, who literally didn't even attend a single youth game. Really? Like, not even once. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's good. I mean, that bodes well. You need that path. You need people to think that they actually have a path to the first team. Well, you certainly need that path, yeah. Yeah, especially now. Even if he gets through this season and does well, then when Chelsea have the transfer ban lifted, mm. it's then kind of on him to rebuild that team and it, he has zero experience of that. So it would be very interesting to know, but it's it's a hell of a lot of pressure. It's a short-sighted move for sure. be interesting to know if, if even if this season goes well, if he is still just moved on. Like, yeah. I mean, going into like just next season, I, I think it's a good thing. I'm in on it. Because we need happiness, man. We just need a fucking smile after last year. Like, you guys heard it every week. How fucking miserable were Chelsea fans for the majority of last season? Yeah, finishing third and Europa League winners. Nightmare. Mm, yeah. Shit, League Cup final. Yeah, We were happy at the beginning and pretty happy at the end, I guess. But in the middle, it was a big shit sandwich. <laughs> um, keeping it with the managers, we have Rafa Benitez is officially out at Newcastle. Um, my favorite quote coming out of this, Rafa Benita said, um, I didn't want to go, but it was clear that the people at the top of the club didn't share the vision I did. When I came to Newcastle, they gave me the plans for a new training ground. I was talking to the architect about changing a few things, and after three years, they have painted the walls. <laughs> and that fat dildo keeps giving me oversized mugs and he can fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Oh, man, this is Newcastle all over. Jeez. Yeah, it really is aggressively a Newcastle story. Yeah, and now they've gone from that to... I mean, there was something I saw that potentially Steven Gerrard was going to go there as manager, but I think that was just rumours that went out because it was it was the same day, if not the day after, Lampard got a, uh, got announced as, as manager. The story from eight hours ago from the BBC is that Steve Bruce is being considered... <laughs> oh God, Benitez to Bruce, Jesus I know. Christ! I know. Oh my word! Are they not being sold though? I heard they had like a buyer. 
No, no, no. It's not happening, is it? I mean, like... They've had a buyer for four years or something, haven't they? Yeah. Is he just nickel and diming them? Like, what's the deal? I, I wouldn't be surprised if suddenly he's up the valuation or whatever, because that sounded serious. But then it I feel like it must be dead in the water if Benitez is gone, unless it's not dead in the water and they've got much bigger plans than Benitez. Right. Well, right, Benitez right, right. always said that he wouldn't, if, if he was just given money, which he was promised, then he would have stayed. Yeah. And so he just ran out his contract and just didn't bother. So there must have been some problems there and they can say as much as they want, oh, they've got this much money to spend, but it doesn't really seem like it. And See, I, I personally am no fan of Newcastle because I feel like they have a sort of big club mentality because of number of supporters or whatever, but they've not, in certain, certainly in recent times, they've not really done anything. But that's all connected kind of to Mike Ashley. If you look at the stats before and after him him coming in, it's yeah. a huge connection. It is, and I, you know, I always grew up with Newcastle being well up there right. and always being a well-respected club. And I don't I, I don't really have that same thing as you. Like, I quite, I quite like Newcastle and, you know, but you're right, they've underachieved for a long time, but they're hamstrung by a rich Yeah, chaff. I mean, I was going to caveat what I said by saying I feel for them massively during this Ashley era. I mean, my God, he expected to just buy the club and insta make them successful or possibly both insta make them successful and then sell them on and it just didn't happen. And I mean, my my word, I mean, it must be horrible when I feel for any sort of fan of a club that goes through this horrible turmoil of an owner who isn't a custodian you know Blackburn went through it with Venkies and all that stuff I mean it's just it's all right though because he's saving the high street (laughs) (laughs) if I worked for Debenhams I'd be shitting myself I don't I don't know Newcastle before Mike Ashley he bought him in 2007 and that's about when I became a Premier League fan it was like 06 07 that's when I started being on the TV here after the 06 World Cup um, and I always hear people talk about, you know, like you hear Alan Shearer, right? He he was a Newcastle guy and like the best goal scorer of all time or, or thereabouts. 263 Premier League goals, I think. Yeah, something like that. He's always at the top of the list. And, I, and every time I see it, I'm like, Newcastle? What the fuck? Because I only <laughs> yeah. known them under Mike Ashley. Like, because they're, they're so far up in the Northeast. There's, I mean, other than Sunderland, who have obviously gone massively down to League One with Peterborough. Hello. But, um, like, they are the biggest club by far in that area. Mm. So they have a a huge catchment area of fans. They have a big stadium. They do get a a hell of a lot of people turning turning up week in, week out, no matter what the results are. So in those terms... They have the biggest stadium, I think, or the second biggest stadium in the Premier League. Something like that. Um, It's way up there. Probably top three. I don't know with... Oh, with Tottenham's uh, new one, maybe there. Yeah, Liverpool and... so, But it's up there. But it's, yeah, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, they were pushing to win the league um, in Europe, like everything. They finished, wasn't it, second to Man United when Keegan was managing them? Yeah, that I mean, that was a, oh, that was such a classic. When they season. were, they Ke- were seven Keegan's points rant clear. on Sky, where like he goes at Fergie, like I would love it if we beat them, I love it, and he just absolutely loses his mind. I mean, it's just <laughs> classic. They was like ten points clear with like five six games oh, to go or something, shit the bed. and yeah. just so some real Liverpool shit must be something in the water up north. <laughs> I mean, you're literally talking hundreds of miles apart, but yeah, okay. 
Hey, North is North. Yeah. Would Newcastle be better served playing in the Scottish Premier League? Do you think they should consider just like just like hopping over the wall right there? Over the wall. Over the wall. Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> Learn a bit of history, you English prick. Hadrian's Wall that's about three foot high. Yeah, it's an easy hop. I didn't say climb it. Just the hop. Jesus. Did you say they found some penis graffiti on Hadrian's Wall? It's good to know that our like thousands of years ago ancestors still just drew dicks on everything. I don't think so. It's it's almost certainly school trips. Uh, our next story. I'm going to butcher this name, but I do apologize in advance. Tangui Ndombele has signed for Tottenham the record signing for a club record of 60 million euros. The 22-year-old has signed a deal until 2025, and the fee could rise to 70 million euros with incentives. Tottenham signings are like buses. You wait for ages, <laughs> specifically about two years, and then two come along in the same day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of them was loaned straight back out. Yep. But uh, I think it's Tong... Tongay and Dombele? Tongay? Oh, what a great That name. sounds much nicer when you say it. Tongay Dombele um, has signed. He is a player that everyone will pretend to know a lot about. And none of us really do. But he's good. From just reading off Michael Cayley's Twitter, who is an actual Tottenham fan, on top of being like maybe the smartest soccer person on the planet. Well, besides us, obviously. Um, he's seeing him as a replacement for Ericsson, is what I understand. Uh, I don't really know much about him. Like I said, he, he is only 22 and he's played in Lyon, which like were third place, so not even PSG level. It's a weird one, though, because Tot- Tottenham tweeted earlier or something that Ericsson was expected back for pre-season training. Yeah, sure. So that doesn't mean he's actually going to show up. So was Luka Modric when he left yeah, Tottenham yeah, forever okay. ago. Feels like they've got a lot of those driving forward sort of midfielders, though, doesn't it? I mean, Ali's presumably back from... I mean, was he injured a lot last season? He didn't seem to do a lot. No, he was very low-key. I think it's just compared to the other seasons. Tottenham in general, I think, compared to other seasons, they just weren't that exciting because Kane wasn't really doing much at all and was injured for long stretches. Ali never really got going. No. You know, he had, like, the flashes he was, but obviously the two seasons before that, he was amazing. Just seems like him, Mora, Son, they're the driving forward. Yeah. Ericsson was always the creator, you know... And another sort of driving forward direct player into the box. I mean, they need someone pulling the strings, don't they? Just from looking at like their numbers and their pass maps and stuff, their heat maps from last season, they have a lot of guys who can drive it forward once they're in the final third. Yeah. But what they were missing after Dembele got old and they didn't have anyone to replace him last year, basically, is someone who connected the defensive third to the final third. So like they need that transition driving forward as opposed to like getting it it's not about getting it into the box it's about getting it to the guys who get it into the box um so if he is going to be that which is what chuck was kind of saying then then that would be great for them then that would make them potentially really scary for next year if harry kane can keep ligaments in his ankles which is another well, huge this is question the first mark. year where it feels like he's had summer off like it feels like he's had a proper break yeah like i know we've been slagging kane off uh that's something else we do by the way slag kane off um, mostly for his injury record, but I mean, it, if this season he can't keep it together, I think he's a busted plush. Yeah, uh, that's harsh. He won the Golden Boot like three times, right? I, I don't know. I feel like there's there's been certainly the last couple of seasons. You know, the injury the injury record's been a real problem. He's had a full summer off now. There's been no surgery because we were talking about him possibly 
having surgery to sort out these ligaments. That's not happened. So presumably that's because he doesn't need it. So let's see how he performs from the get-go because he's traditionally a slow starter. Every FPL know, uh, player will know that. So let's see how he let's see how he gets going now because they still haven't got a striker other than Lorente. So no backup there. Yeah, but isn't Lorente going to go or well, whatever or stop scoring goals with his hand and his hip? <laughs> we'll get to scoring goals with your hand later. But I mean, apparently there's been no bids yet. But... Yeah, no shit. It's Fernando Lorente. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But I mean, if they're as, they're in an even worse position because, like, most Premier League clubs would have three strikes on the books anyway. I mean, it just sort of. It seems very iffy, but I'll look very stupid when Kane scores 18 goals in August, so. No, it's something to keep an eye on. Like, yeah. it's not that he's bad, it's, it has just been, like, the lack no, of explosive no, energy coming out of his ankles. Because of all the injuries. So, like, if he can rest up and, like, be able to go back to that taking a strong first touch and creating space for himself to get shots off, then he'll be back to being an elite striker. It's just a it's a huge question mark at this point. So many teams at the minute feel like an absolute coin flip. I mean, like, Chelsea, Tottenham. No, Chelsea aren't a coin flip. We're going to finish in sixth. Yeah? Yeah, we're going to finish in sixth. Like, we're not... We're going to be fine. I don't think we'll finish below. I'm not worried about that. But we're not going to keep up with Arsenal and Tottenham and Liverpool. Maybe United. We might get fifth if United are shitty, if they sell Pogba. Before our break, we were talking, Chuck said about how Man United have been linked with 18 million players. <laughs> I mean, it was a ridiculous number of players that Man United have been linked with. Yeah, and, and the one they fucking stole is the one that I, from the team I support. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But other than Wan-Bissaka, like, nothing has happened. Uh, that fast kid from Swansea. Yeah, yeah, but that, start, that, that happened before our break, so yeah. Oh, yeah. In the many long ago. A lot of out rumors with United too. Like, Solskjaer has had to come out on multiple occasions and be like, no, everything's fine with Paul Pogba. Who then got in a bust up at training with Rashford, was it? Someone else. Young and good. So, I don't know. And you know who, like, to what would have been my last story, but we can just kind of merge it into here. Like, someone that Tottenham could have done with for a backup striker better than Fernando fucking Lorente is Marko Arnatovic. He'd left West Ham to go to Shanghai. For 22 million pounds, you're going to tell me Tottenham wouldn't take Arnautovic for 22 million pounds over Llorente? Like, I don't think Tottenham would probably pay Arnautovic like three, four hundred thousand pounds a week, <laughs> yeah, which well. is probably what he's going to be getting at Shanghai. About four because... times what Kane's on, probably. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. But he's only 30, man. Like, he's a lazy prick. I think he's overrated. I, I always genuinely... liked him. I always liked him. I d- he's he's fine, but like I don't I don't understand why. Well, obviously China will sort of take anyone from the sort of Western leagues and and hail them as a superhero. But yeah, because they're so known for not having enough people. <laughs> yeah, you think there'd be enough people to play football? <laughs> exactly. So, someone will be good. But like I I just I I don't see the superstar status Anatovic seems to think he has. That's fair enough. I don't think he's a superstar by any means, but I always liked him as like a rotation guy or a backup guy at a top six club. Yeah, rotation or backup at a top six. Yeah, fine. All right. Well, that's all the news I have. So that means that it is time for... Oh, wait a minute. I did have one more news story. Sorry, I forgot. England have been knocked out of a major tournament at the semifinals thanks to a missed slash saved penalty. Losing to the United States of America. Ian, say it with me. You. S-A. Don't make U-S-A. me say it when the USA have U-S-A. knocked England out. I mean, hey, yes, you won money, man. That's what matters. I, I did win money, yeah, but 
I, I can't do that. Listen, you, you're saying that as if we should be disappointed. Well, I was about to say me and Chuck grew up. I mean, Chuck will be very upset about that, but I certainly grew up with England making the quarters was of any tournament was an absolute success. The men's team and the women's team are making semis of World Cup finals. I'll take three, it. Three international tournaments in a row. We've made the semi-finals and finished fourth. Yeah, Stimmers, <laughs> at your age, just getting a semi is a big deal, right? Like something to celebrate a semi. <laughs> exactly. Three semis in six years, as Chuck said, that's or whatever like, it was. better so. than you're doing, you know, at the ripe old age of 86. No, it's three, three semi-finals in, in a year. Sorry, yeah. World Cup was last year. Nations League this year. Yeah, sorry, Nations League. I was forgetting. I was forgetting that that prestigious. And, you, and do you remember? Do you remember the World Cup where Oscars, uh, where the USA did really well there? <laughs> Nicely done, Chuck. <laughs> Way to try to change the subject. We're talking <laughs> about the women's World the other Cup. Two, you like Germany as well, don't you, Oscar? Yeah, and they did great. And we're not going to talk about it. They did really good it, at so. the World Cup, didn't they? How about uh, the Nations League? What happened in the, in the no Nations League? No one cares for- about the Nations League. Don't pretend that anyone other than English people trying to have something to cheer for give a fuck about the Nations League. I have not watched a single Nations League game in my entire life, and I continue to hold to that. No, but let's bring it back to the Women's World Cup. Did you guys watch this match? It was a really good match. Like, it was genuinely an exciting match. Maybe I think the most exciting match of the World Cup. It certainly beat the final, which was pretty boring. Do, do we hate VAR now? Uh, yes. <laughs> Don't like it. We'll turn around on VAR now. <laughs> How dare it disallow an offside goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but you take the shittest penalty in the world as well. Bastards. Yeah. Not a good pen. It wasn't Not good. a good pen. And the keeper almost overshot it. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been really embarrassing. Jesus, if the keeper was like, oh, yeah, I assume, oh, no, it's so bad, it took me by surprise. Yeah. I think I think the the US uh, women's team their class really showed out. Yeah, but they can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Are you one of these who's uh, uh, offended by the tea drinking celebration of Alex Morgan? Oh please, <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Please be angry. No, tell me, tell me. No, I couldn't really give a toss about that because she made a very good point that like, and, and it was good in the interview that you can have stuff like Diego Simeone literally grabbing his cock. <laughs> to celebrate, or players in Italian leagues pulling down their shorts and someone putting a finger up a bum in celebration of goals. But Alex <laughs> Alex Morgan <laughs> sips a bit of tea, or you know, smokes a spliff. However you want to look at it, <laughs> whichever you want, uh, yeah, whatever it is. Um, and people lose their freaking minds. Uh, no, I wasn't bothered about that. I was more bothered about celebrating the thirteenth goal in the thirteen nil against Thailand <laughs> than I was at the tea drinking <laughs> celebration. I, I've genuinely not met anyone who's actually upset about that celebration. That's just seems like every podcast and blog. I yeah, read that, like, yeah, but that's Ugh. just media bullshit. Honestly, no one in real life gives a shit about that celebration. It's it's perfectly fine. It's vaguely funny. Whatever. It was like, really nice that it was the July second of July, like right around you know Independence Day for us, and we knocked the fucking English out. Like that felt pretty good. You know, whoop your asses just like we did in 1776, baby. I'm all turned around. We should have shot her with a musket. Fuck You're still it. English, so... Oh, yeah, we should have. Yeah, <laughs> just cannon. <laughs> Fucking bang. Uh, apparently, the tea wasn't even directed at you guys. Like, that wasn't like a sipping tea because you're English thing. That's a sipping tea because everyone's been talking so much shit about them on Twitter and whatnot. Because you, you know that's an expression, right? It's like, that's the tea. The Kermit the Frog thing. Exactly. Who was saying shit about the women's team? I don't get it. The president of our country was talking oh, shit about fuck. the women's he team. He doesn't so, like, count. He's a c- 
Yeah. He's an absolute fucking <laughs> That is 100% true. <laughs> 50 episodes ago, we said we'd never do politics. I mean, I'm all behind this. Uh... Yeah, but there's politics and getting deep dives, and then there's just recognising when a c***'s a c***. Correct. Yeah, we're not going to bring up politics, but, you know, he is a sack of shit, so. Yeah. A couple of interesting notes about this match. It was the most watched broadcast in England this year. It beat any Premier League match and any Champions League match and any other broadcast of any kind, including fucking Eurovision or... (laughs) Eurovision. (laughs) You know, Alex from Glasgow doing his verse and whatever else. Insert topical reference here. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that match apparently was watched by 12 million viewers in this country, which is absolutely insane numbers. I mean, like you say, for any broadcast, that's ridiculous. But uh, for for a women's sport broadcast that's never had anything close to that, that's that's crazy numbers. And as you would expect in the US, it did even better. Um, It was the final was the most watched soccer match in the history of the US. Um, a 20% jump over last year's World Cup final for the men's World Cup final. And the U.S. women's soccer jersey is now the number one selling product in the history of Nike.com. Wow. I mean, it really feels like the U.S. is ahead of us on this sort of like women's football, women's sport generally maybe. It's got to just be the success of the team. It's, it's conducive to both. People get into it if you do well. That's, well, that's a it. lot of people have been citing Title IX and the big government ruling in like 1978, I think. Something like that. It was in the 70s. What's that? Where um, someone basically sued and it went all the way up to the federal court, the Supreme Court, that women's sports are by law required to have as much funding as men's sports. Really? Um, for the actual like structure of it. So if your school, and if it's a public school From the government, or a private yeah. school or any kind of school, if you're going to offer a men's sport or a boys' sport, more critically at a youth age, then you have to offer the same opportunity for girls. And that is like a federally mandated law. And that's been for 40 years now, something wow. like that. So, you know, every kid from the suburbs here, boy or girl, plays soccer growing up. Except that with the girls, like, they keep with it, whereas the boys that are very athletic all go into other sports. Yeah, okay. But, like, the, the groundwork is there. Like, I mean, that's basically what happened in Belgium, too, is at some point in the, I want to say, mid-80s, there was a ruling there that they had to provide better academies and better, like, training facilities for youth, not just in the countryside, but in the urban areas as well. Yeah. Um, specifically targeting, like, the children of African immigrants. And so, you know, 15 years later, it's not a coincidence. Now you have, you know, all these players coming up from the inner city in Belgium and creating this golden generation for the for the Belgian team. Like, that's that's the same reason that you women's U.S. is above and beyond you guys. It's because we've been funding youth soccer programs for girls for many, many years now. There you go. I mean, it just it just doesn't feel like it's even looked at at that level in this country. It's just... Like, no, but there are a lot of people trying to push the, what is it, the FA Women's Soccer League? The Women's right? Super League. Yeah. Super League, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously off the back of the World Cup, that uh, off the back of the Women's World Cup, sorry, that's getting a bump, without a doubt. Um, and yeah, it's just hopeful that that will that will carry on. I can't, I can't see how it wouldn't. I mean, it's, I can totally get the sort of thing people say about being a young girl and 
if you're into sport, 20 years ago in this country, there was no chance of you watching a women's football match on TV. And now every single match of the Women's World Cup was broadcast on either BBC or the Red Button. You could get every single match on free-to-air television. So, I mean, that's that's, I totally get how, as a young girl, that could be... That could be inspiring, you know, because there are names now in the women's game that young girls will recognise, whereas previously they only would have had your Beckhams or whatever. And and like that's right, right, that's right, right. not as inspiring because it's not your gender. So you, you can't see yourself playing on that stage. The young girls watching the Women's World Cup can 100% see themselves playing on that stage if if they continue with the sport. So it can only get better. It can only get better. Yeah. And yeah, like you say, that said, like it can get better. There's still a long way to go. 100%. Of course there is. Yeah. Even here, and like we're ahead of you guys, but even here, like the the US women's team literally right now is suing the US Soccer Federation because they get paid less than half of the wages that the men's team does. Which is ridiculous. Even though they generate, like we just said about the Nike thing, like the women's soccer team generates way more money than the men's soccer team. I mean, at least in this country, there is a financial argument, not necessarily a good one, whatever, but there's a financial argument for paying uh, women less than men, but there is no argument for that in America. There's zero. No, no, no. And (laughs) the fact that they have to be suing while winning the World Cup, winning their fourth fucking World Cup, because after the England game, they did go on to win. Because you say about... because. the, the money kind of side of things because obviously international football is different to yeah. domestic like your, your your actual team so of course. how does it work are they are they suing because it's the government giving the men more money than the women or is it just through the sponsorships and other things and that no it's just the wages it's specifically the wages that they get from US soccer to play for international tournaments from the central like football association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not not the league. And the women's league here like is popular, but it has a really long way to go. There's nowhere to watch it on TV. Like you can watch matches, but they're all on Yahoo Sports streaming. Which like remember Yahoo? You know? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, okay. But there's no there's no excuse for the central football association not to be paying the women exactly if anything yeah, yeah. more. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Um yeah, any like any sort of soccer notes about the Women's World Cup before we move on to like Premier League stuff and our more sort of normal focus? I mean, not really. I think that the quality of football was great um and really the the matches were exciting. I mean, I watched a few a few matches with Finley and there was no less excitement than uh, a Premier League match without a doubt. So from that point of view it was it was really good. I think What's my train of thought there? <laughs> You're such an old man. <laughs> do, do that a lot, did I? Chuck, any thoughts for you while uh, Ian gathers his again? You fucker, you better not cut this. <laughs> it was really, it was really uh, fantastic to see, and you know all the people that do the classic slagging off women and saying they're not as good as, as men in the sport. Like it, exactly as Ian said, it was just as exciting. Uh, it was it, there was still a lot of skill in there. Obviously, you still do get some teams that are punching above their station at the World Cup because they qualify. But the exact same thing exists in the men's game. So yeah. you have stuff like thirteen nil USA Thailand and see probably one of the worst goalkeeping displays you can <laughs> ever see on the planet from a goalkeeper <laughs> who's 
five foot four, I believe she was. Um, but then on the other hand, when I watched, um, I watched part of the final and saw Netherlands, and the Netherlands goalkeeper was pulling off, pulled off yeah. like six amazing saves in the first half. Yeah, and half, she's about and seven two. <laughs> See, like on corner kicks, she was like feet taller than everyone else. But um, yeah, and, and just seeing that that there is so much potential there for for that sport to rocket, and it's fantastic the the viewer numbers to back that up and the general support, and to see that kind of happening more here, especially when I want my daughter to play football. So <laughs> if there's a lot more money in it when she's older, future England captain, daddy gonna retire. <laughs> yeah. uh, one last note for me from like a US perspective. Obviously, amazing that we won. Fourth World Cup, most successful ever, blah, blah, blah. From within the team, I was disappointed to see, like, as awesome as Rapino was and as much as she was, like, very much the face and the heart of this team, tactically, if I'm being annoying and, like, a soccer person, I think Rose Lavelle should have got the golden ball. Or golden... Yeah, golden ball. The best player award. Best player, yeah. Um, because she was the most important player for the U.S. She was, you know, we were talking about Tottenham and the ability to transition from the defensive phase to the attacking phase, like... She was the heart of that midfield. That's always the case, though, isn't it? I mean, the the glamour pick, you know, the glamour pick would always glamour go. the name, the political kind of side, the the hair. <laughs> yeah, and Megan Rapinoe is like a fucking hero, and I admire her and all that. But like from an annoying soccer perspective, I do think Rose Lavelle like got a little bit of the short end of the stick on that. I could we could do with her at Chelsea. Like she's a phenomenal central <laughs> midfielder who can pass and dribble and defend. Like she just was all up and down. Classic number eight. So, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> that should wrap it up for rapid fire news. I this said this week. at the start after two fucking seasons, <laughs> and now we go rapid fire news, and it's an hour. <laughs> yeah, you know, we did move through the stories. There was just a lot to catch up on. Let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Strap in for your six-hour episode this week, guys. Yeah, we're gonna we might start... need to rebrand rapid fire news. Yeah, we're gonna do break one of six now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, um, stick around after the jump. We will come back and talk about some uh, Premier League rule changes. So, we'll see you in a bit. Welcome back to the second half of Miles Offside Podcast. If you've stuck with us through the extended rapid, inverted commas, fire news section, uh, we covered a lot of stuff over the last three weeks where we've been away, a bit of the World Cup, and now we're going to look forward starting with, of course, the Premier League, which is what we focus on. And there's been a few rule changes uh, this year coming in. Uh, We would have seen some of them towards the very end of the season with the Champions League, I think, um, and then also through the Women's World Cup. Of course, the big one is that VAR will be in for every game, which, I mean, I'm all for it until now. Don't want it anymore. <laughs> Change my mind. Woo! Don't want it. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because of England. Like, literally, that's it. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see if people push over... Uh, any TV screens or smash them but they kind of range a lot of the rule changes some are kind of boring um, I guess we'll get the boring ones out of the way that players must leave the pitch by the nearest touchline for substitutions oh I like that that's new I didn't actually read any of the rules that Ian sent out I figured I'd react in real time 
I appreciate that. That'll make, um, you know, Stoke's life significantly Well, it's harder. the classic, I know I'm going to get substituted soon, so I'm going to move <laughs> to the far corner of the pitch. But, I mean, this the, this rule, or the, the antithesis of this rule, was brought in pretty much after Eric Cantona kicked a Palace fan uh, who was giving him dogs abuse. Because, like... Now a player who's substituted potentially might have to walk around like three sides of the pitch getting abuse before they can get down the tunnel. I'm not sure about this one. I mean, I, I get I get the idea for time wasting, but... Well, they do anyway. They had 30 seconds on for every substitution. Yeah, well, if it takes longer, add, add longer. Are they going to measure? I mean, I get it, but it's just like... I mean, yeah, with, Ian, with... The, the moment they start actually enforcing clock rules correctly, we're going to have nine... 90 minutes of stoppage time like yeah what's the stat that the actual amount of playing time is equivalent to like 55 minutes on average in a premier league match yeah it's usually less than 60 yeah. minutes yeah so they, they, there's no way that they can actually start doing the clock the way it's supposed to i just i'm not sure about this one just from a yeah just from a point of view of player crowd so who's most likely just... to attack a fan then i guess is the real question luis suarez come back bite a fan Bite a player, bite a fan. Bite a fan day at uh, at <laughs> the cop. Bite a fan day. <laughs> I mean, John Terry's back in the Premier League in a fashion. I mean, he could. Is he? Didn't he? Re- I thought he retired because Villa came up. No, no. I mean, he's uh, he's assistant manager, but he could. I don't put it past him to still dig. Yeah, dig and he out likes putting a or... kit on just for no reason. So <laughs> he puts a kit on. Kung Fu kicks a fan. We're back to the Canada days. Lovely old job. So I guess per- players are going to start sprinting for the center circle as soon as they know they're about to get subbed and just, like, plop down? Yeah, I can't see that having a point or being enforced in any real way. So No, I don't think it'll matter at all. Um, so, yeah, so that's about substitutions. With free kicks, you can't have attacking players within one yard of the defensive wall. Uh, so no more um, oh. standing in the wall and, and creating a, a block or something Oh, I don't like, like that. that one bit. No? no? Nah, Chelsea loved that trick, man. We've done that many times to Tottenham specifically. Breaking up the wall. Yeah, getting in the Tottenham wall, pushing them side. Like you line up, you know, Pedro and Willian on the edge of the wall and then you have Branislav Ivanovic just come in full head of steam and just shoves Pedro and Willian into the wall as hard as he can. No, no more. Any wall of three players or more, no attacking players within a yard. I mean, I'd like to think there's going to be like the referee's going to do the vanishing spray of where the free kick is. Then he's going to pace out 10 yards, do the wall, and then he's going to do a one-yard circle around the wall and go, nobody move. Uh, like, and then another like, player comes it. in the wall, so he's got to like rub that bit yeah, out. Yeah, oh, no, redo it. it, scrubs it out, redoes it, and it ends up looking like Pep Guardiola's wall chart. And I, I like that idea, but I, it's not going to work like that. It's just going to be... Yeah, I mean, I can see the point of it because there's a, so much pushing and shoving that just doesn't get called either way for free kicks but I mean it might it might be the end of the wall almost I mean it virtually does nothing there's a lot of times where they have walls and it's useless like if the player did take that direct hit it would probably be better that the keeper could see it yeah and also you're gonna if you're giving up three players to a defensive wall and it used to be that there'd be a lot of attacking players involved in that jostling around or whatever those attacking players are now going to be free in the penalty area Mm. It genuinely might mean the end of the wall because they're those defensive players are going to be required to mark the attacking players that are now free and not not doing what they used to do in the wall. So I don't know. It's a weird one that it's going to be interesting, but it um it could be 
I don't know. It could be good. Is it just going to create problems elsewhere in the penalty area for free Yeah, kick? absolutely. None of these rules are going to do what they think. They're all just going to make <laughs> yeah, more problems in other places. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but that's that's all it can do. It can just change the kind of goalposts with it. Um, drop balls. No more contested drop balls. I mean, you don't see any contested drop balls anyway, so it's relevant. Well, you're acting like this is a this is a small one, but and you're right. Most most drop balls, it's just they're not contested anymore because it's oh, weird let's be to nice and pass it back. Fuck them. <laughs> but yeah, but also you can't have players two feet from each other absolutely hacking at the same ball because they'll just fucking break yeah. their ankle. But like <laughs> that's what you like, yeah. But um. The the big one for this, I think, is if if play needs to be stopped in the penalty area, because the, the basically the rule is now there's no contested drop balls. So whichever team was in possession, if play needs to be stopped for whatever head injury, whatever, then the play that was the team that was in possession gets the ball back for a drop ball. So it's essentially like a free kick mm. from wherever they they had possession. But if the ball's in the penalty area and Play has to be stopped, regardless of who was in possession. Uh, the goalkeeper gets to drop ball. Oh, that's dumb! You're just going to pretend you got a head injury, aren't you? If you're a defender. Well, that's the, that is the thing. I mean, if obviously the game, the game maybe moves quicker than that. But yeah, potentially you could just drop to the floor with a head injury, drop ball. Oh well, the goalkeeper gets it, regardless of who's in possession. I don't know. Is um, that's obviously very simplistic, but it does seem like a, it seems like a rule that's bound to cause problems that one i mean i don't know how often is play stopped when you know you're in that sort of fast attacking phase of the well, game just ask marcelo bielsa well he's so fair that he'd get the goalkeeper to just kick it in his own goal <laughs> he's just <laughs> relentlessly fair yes indeed yeah probably um speaking of goalkeepers during penalties now no movement before the penalty is taken like at all that's not enforceable in the slightest well, I mean, the old rule was never enforced. You've <laughs> never been able to come off your line. And for like 20 years, the goalkeeper has always been off their line on a penalty. They started enforcing that now with VAR coming in, right? Like I saw them well, enforce it a few well, times. Well, this is it. So no movement before the penalty is taken. One foot must be on or above the goal line. But VAR will only be used to rule on the encroachment if the ball rebounds out to one of the oncoming players. Yeah, so sorry, I, my notes, I've, I've sent you some notes there and they're, they're not necessarily... Why are you fucking set, so, you set me up here, prick? Yeah, I, I've, I've set you up with bad notes there. Sorry, I was tapping them out while mixing a live TV show. Sorry. Ooh, we're, 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 we're live TV. <laughs> Do you want me to keep mixing you two twats? No, fuck off. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, if I send this shit out unedited, we all get in real trouble. Yeah. And I know how much work the editing is, so I'm like, yes, please, sir, thank you. And Chuck is like, nah, fuck you, and pounds the beer. <laughs> I think the VAR is not going to be used on uh, this goalkeeper rule, if if I remember rightly. But VAR will be used on encroachment of um, attacking players into the penalty area. But because only there always the, is, every single... Only if the ball rebounds to them, apparently. So, i.e., if a, if a goalkeeper saves a penalty like and holds it, and there were attacking players encroaching on the area, that will be fine. It's only a problem if the ball has rebounded to him. Yeah, but it always should have been that yeah. rule anyway. It's always been, again, it's another rule that they're changing the rules for. But, you know, if if a defender goes in the box when the penalty's being taken and the penalty's mixed, 
it's a retake unless the number of defenders and attackers is the same. Uh, it's bullshit. And it's a rule that's never fucking enforced. The referee watches the ball, which makes no sense. Why do you have to watch the ball? There's no <laughs> player near it. You don't have to. You don't need to watch the ball. You watch the line of players. And if people are in, in the box, which it seems to happen on 60, 70% of the penalties now, you do retakes or you just give the ball straight back to the goalkeeper. Yeah, it does seem weird that some something like that goalkeeper rule where are they on the line or not, that can obviously be decided by VAR. We're not going to decide on that because it caused some contra- controversy, but we are going to decide on encroachment if the ball bounces back to them and might be in a phase of play that lasts for two minutes. Are they then going to drag it back and go, oh, but an attacking player was encroaching and got that ball so we go back to a goal kick um it just yeah that's it's a tricky one that and on like you're right on everything we've gone through so far it does feel like ultimately it might just go back to the status quo yeah unless you just change penalties and you do the thing that they did in the u.s i was just about to make this fucking joke same page yes (laughs) Bring that in and just say, right, everyone has to stay in the other half. You start from the halfway line, beep, go. Goalkeeping do what the fuck they want, player does what the fuck they want. Because even from 12 yards out, just let the goalkeeper has to start on the line. Once you blow the whistle, do what they want. If you can't score from 12 yards out, you can't do your job. And that's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, like why are they shit. putting rules in to make it harder on the keeper? Like it's already impossible to save a penalty. Like jokes aside, there have literally been psychological studies done and the brain reaction time of a human being is on average not fast enough to save a penalty kick if you react after the kick has been taken like you have to dive beforehand to save it most of the time oh, right physically yeah right, it's like okay. literally the like electrical signals from your eyes to your brain to your muscles and then how fast keepers can dive like if they wait to see which direction it's going in and it's hit at your average penalty speed so Every penalty should be scored because no movement is allowed uh, under these new rules. Right. Like, li- they're literally making it e- impossible for the keepers to save them at all. Hmm. Good for Palace. Get your penalty takers, FPL players. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more penalties between VAR and these new goal- goalkeeper penalty rules. Like, jokes aside, that really is going to be a thing. There's going to be a ton of penalties next year scored. Indeed. Um, goal kicks now the placed goal kick uh, the ball's back in play immediately so it doesn't have to leave the 18 yard box so this is a thing that is supposed to uh, help because now teams play out from the back why does it make a difference I don't know I don't get it yeah can you explain that again I'm not really following what that is Like, so from a goal kick the ball always had to leave the 18 yard box before another player touched it always okay. always been the rule but now that doesn't have to be the case but now it's in play the moment the keeper puts it down? The moment the keeper plays the ball, like kicks the ball. Okay. But the opposite team have to stay outside the 18-yard box. But I just think that's one of those ones where it's we're just going to do away with a rule that is unnecessary. Like the uh, before with centre, like any time you have to take a kickoff or whatever, yeah. or a restart, you had to play the ball backwards to then play it forward. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and I remember you used to have two players needed to touch it before it was like... Exactly. It's just one of those ones that it's a, it's a pointless rule. So, they so just basically kind of... a team can set up a defender in the 18-yard box and the keeper can just pass it to them like basically a, a foot away and now the ball's live? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let me read from 442 uh, because they try and explain it. So they say, possibly the most interesting rule change of all, 
Until now, a goal, kick, a goal kick had to leave the area before being in play. Didn't used to be an issue. Goalkeepers all, almost always kick the ball long into midfield where an aerial duel would take place near the halfway line. Hello, League One. Um, but the rise in passing out of defence and the subsequent rise of intense pressing high up the pitch to counteract it has led to false breaks in play. When a goalkeeper passes out to a defender from a goal kick and that defender has an opponent pressing them, they could deliberately intercept the ball in the penalty area and effectively buy a restart from the referee because the ball's not left the penalty area. I I've never don't seen, think I've that. seen that. Yeah, exactly. I don't I've think I've never seen that seen false that. break in play happen. I mean, I thought from the first sentence when I said it's an interesting rule change, I stopped listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. So I think the handball one's better, which I think we're going to come to. But Yeah, let's do, so should we just do away with this bullshit one? Because I don't care. Well, I wonder if it's going <laughs> to be in FIFA 20. Like, now everyone's going to be... No one plays long balls in FIFA, right? When you play from the keeper, you try to no, pass it to the defender anyway. right there. It's bullshit. But handball... So, attacking players who use the hand arm even accidentally to score or create a goal, scoring opportunity, would be... Penalised. With, of course, scoring opportunity being defined vaguely at best. Yep. Well, yeah. It's Is it if it knocks down to someone who scores the goal? Is it if it knocks down to someone who passes to the person who scores the goal? Is it, yeah. What if it's like two passes before, but it's in the final third? That seems incredibly, incredibly vague. Just have it be within an area. Just have it be like in the final third doesn't make sense to have it just in the final third just have if handball's handball it's handball on offense accidental handball on defense would be unbelievably harsh because already guys try to kick it into the defender's hands yeah but that's the the weird thing about that was always the interpretation was arms in an unnatural position so they put their arms behind their back which is kind of the most unnatural position you can put them <laughs> right. in and then if your hand if the ball hits your arm that's fine but it's i don't know yeah so the law is saying that accidental handball is a free kick if the ball goes into the goal off an attacker, so you can't accidentally handball a goal. So basically Thierry Henry versus Ireland in that World Cup playoff in like 09 or 13, depending on which World Cup I'm thinking of. I mean, mm. that was not accidental. <laughs> that was not accidental. He got a lot of death threats for that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, he claimed that it was, was accidental, accidental, but even then, like, that's not a good Bullshit. excuse anymore, right? A player gets the ball using their arm or hand and then scores or creates a goal-scoring opportunity. So even if it's accidental, if you create a goal-scoring opportunity, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any more detail given than that. I'm guessing if it's a, like a direct assist. Yeah. Yeah, no second assists or hockey assists. Yeah, I'm guessing so. Uh, the next one is a player's hand or... So it's accidental handball is still a free kick if a player's hand or arm has made their body unnaturally bigger. I mean, that's sort of that's been an... That's the unnatural un position. Yeah, that's the same thing. So if I have my arms down by my side, that's natural. If I'm running, I'm running, I'm moving my arms, that's natural. That doesn't, doesn't mean fuck all. It doesn't help, does it? No. If I'm falling over, oh, I put my arms out. Oh, now the ball's you that, know, hit me. This seems like a token attempt to more codify the unwritten things that are already enforced in that specific yeah. way in advance of VAR coming in is my like reading of the situation is that they're like, we've always said unnatural position. Now we'll try to put more specific language to it to just try to slightly make it less subjective maybe, but they're not actually doing a good job of it because it's still like this fucking vague thing of like handball, unintentional, intentional thing. But it seems like a token effort to try to like codify stuff before VAR, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely does, yeah. And then there's the rules of uh, what 
will not constitute a free kick in handball. So if the ball is knocked onto a hand by the player in question or a nearby player, so... So by the hand. Yeah, but if you, that means even if you play the ball onto your own hand, the ball is knocked onto a hand by the player in question or a nearby player. Yeah. So what, is that just if the speed of the ball means that it comes off your foot and then onto your hand... That's not handball. Unless you're an attacking player creating a chance. Creating a goal scoring opportunity or a goal. Yeah. My head hurts. Okay. <laughs> a handball will not be <laughs> A handball will not be a free kick if the arm or hand is close to their body and has not made their body unnaturally bigger. Fine. So, okay. Chuck, like you say, hands by your sides at all times. No more running. <laughs> you imagine guys just running like a gumby, like a like a pencil. Penguin football. <laughs> If a player, uh, it will not be a free kick if a player is falling and the ball touches their hand or arm when it is between their body and the ground to support the body, but not extended to make the body bigger. So if you fall onto the ball. What, like when all players do that thing as they fall over and grab the ball straight away to get a free kick? Yeah. Yeah, well, that always pisses me off. If I was refereeing and a player grabs the ball when they hit the deck, um, regardless of what my decision is, I'm booking them. That fucking does my head in yeah but then at that point it becomes a intentional handball situation not uh no i'm booking them for ungentlemanly conduct after the fact being a prick so the most english <laughs> yellow card possible <laughs> yeah exactly mm. exactly it's ungentlemanly yeah. mm. i'm booking them and then slapping them with a, a glove across the face <laughs> uh another change to the handball rule relates to the goalkeeper if the hand if the goalkeeper attempts to goalkeepers can't use their hands anymore <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh, not to make themselves unnaturally bigger <laughs> yeah they have to have their hands stocked straight by their sides while they're trying to save the ball now everyone has to wear the Petrocheck helmet because they're only allowed to save it with their face <laughs> <laughs> if the goalkeeper attempts to clear brackets release into play a throw in or back pass and their clearance fails then they can handle the ball okay okay I'm picturing that so if you're really shit and you can't throw it far enough, you can pick it up again? No, 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 no. If another team does a throw-in or one of your guys does a pass-back and you go to kick it real hard far away just to clear the ball, but you whiff and you miss, you are now allowed to go and pick it up, is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, no, it does sound like that, but I don't like that. If I... Don't like it. It sounds like uh, it... it... Um, well, especially the back rewards. pass thing is like really dangerous because easily they could abuse that. Like a, a guy does a back pass, you're like, yeah. whoops, I guess I missed my kick. And then you jump on it. Pick it up, yeah. Sounds like it just rewards failure, that. Yeah, I don't like that one. If anything, it should be an automatic goal because you fucking missed your kick. Like, <laughs> and now the keeper is out of play and they are not allowed to defend. Harsh but fair. Any other bullshit rule changes to go through? Uh, and then the final one, which is my favorite... Uh, we'll call this the Jesse Lingard rule change. Um, celebrations. You can still be booked for a goal celebration, <laughs> even if that goal is subsequently ruled out. Yeah. <laughs> there could be some 90th minute VAR overturns that involve bookings. Overturns, yellow cards, red cards. You imagine knows. Aguero's goal gets overturned by VAR and he gets a yellow for taking his shirt off to celebrate. And it's his <laughs> second yellow and he's sent off. Oh boy! Uh, the moments. I don't know. I just think it's the. It's just going to open up even more opportunities for people just to go like nah <laughs> onto other teams, other teams' fans, everything. Yeah, I'm all for it. 
more shithousery, more anger, more like, you know, vicious trolling of other fan bases. <laughs> you're, you're all for this. Of course he is. There's a couple of other, and there, there are other changes, but they're relatively minor. There's changes to quick free kicks that seems a bit weird to me. So, I mean, one says, and I, I thought this was always the rule, but if the referee's about to show a yellow or red card, but the non-offending team takes a quick free kick and creates a scoring chance, the official can come back and show the card when the ball goes out of play. I mean, that's that's that, that always yeah, been the that's case? always retroactive. Yellow cards have always been a thing. Uh yeah, it has been, but they would stop them from taking a quick free kick. Because this of the is before card. now, the card would have to be shown before the free kick could be taken. I, yeah, I swear. so you could do you could do retrospective up until whenever. Oh, the ball so goes they out. could do retrospective ones for like playing an advantage, but once the ball was dead, they had to give the yellow before the ball was back in play. But now they can give the yellow yeah. at any point later. Yeah, to allow teams to take quick free kicks. Gotcha. However, if the referee had distracted the offending team by starting to show the card, the free kick is not allowed. So if the referee is in the process of booking someone, then you can't just take a quick free quick kick. Quick free I mean, kicks are stupid and should just not be allowed anyway. And Chelsea have done a bunch of scoring on them against players in hilarious situations and teams I hate it in the past. So, like, that's amusing. But quick free kicks are stupid. Just don't. Like, yeah. just either play advantage or, sorry... The play is dead now. you got to do a real, free, a regular free kick. This is a weird one as well. It says, also, if the offence was going to be a red card for denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, but the opposition take a quick free kick, then the player will only be booked because the other team are considered to have restarted their attack. So you would have previously got a red card for denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, but... but I it- suppose potentially in that situation, if you could then take a quick free kick, you could actually score. So that's like a double jeopardy thing, you think? Yeah, probably. Potentially, because if you're, let's say you're one on one, yeah, which is what the situation would be. Obvious goal scoring but outside of the box, because we're not down. talking about a penalty. We're talking about free no. kick. No, so it would be for a red card. But you're one on one, but one of your players is steaming up behind. Right. You could potentially then stop, take a quick free kick, pass it to him, and then he's back in a one on one situation. Okay, well, let's get. We're really getting down into the dregs now. Um, Cards for coaches. So if a team, any team official is guilty of misconduct, they can be shown a yellow card or red card, as always. But if that offender cannot be identified, uh, the senior coach in the technical area has to take the card. So nice. if the yeah, if the ref wants to book the third physio or send them off or whatever, but they don't know which person it is, they can just do that to the head coach. Interesting. I didn't realize that coaches could actually get yellows and reds. I thought they just got like sent to the stands. Well, that would technically be a red. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I must admit, I I've never seen don't a card think brandish. I've ever though. actually seen anyone be booked? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can get sent to the stands, and then that's like, isn't that an automatic one match ban or whatever for the next match? I mean, certainly Wenger and Mourinho have had. Yeah, unless it's for violent conduct, then it's a three match ban. Yeah. <laughs> like when Mourinho gouges out someone's eye. Okay, well, why don't we get to a couple of listener questions then? Um, Are they about very minute details of rule changes, or because if not, I'm out. Like I don't want to. No wanna more. Hear about no it. more. Um, yeah, no more. I, I can't <laughs> deal with these. Chuck's like, can I go back <laughs> to babysitting my infant daughter and changing poop diapers? That's preferable to discussing yeah, these fucking laws. We are, we are going to be talking about at least a couple of those rule changes in depth once the season gets oh, started. You know we are. Yeah. You know we are. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's why it's hurting me now. Right now to do it pre-season. I thought it was good to get through a few of them. Anyway, Adam, yeah, it's good to Adam P. Brings in a question. Both of his questions relate to uh, the success of the Women's World Cup in different ways. So, do you think we will ever see a female manager in the Premier League? Absolutely, yeah. Eventually. Yeah. I just don't know how soon. That's the thing. It's how soon, isn't it? I mean, we haven't even seen... We just saw a woman linesman. It feels like a long way off, doesn't it? I mean, we haven't even had a female manager in the Football League. No. So... No, it, football is particularly regressive in a lot of unfortunate ways. Yeah. I mean, look at the percentage of black managers we've got in the English game. Are there any in the Premier League right now? No, I mean, Chris Hewton obviously was sacked from Brighton. Right. I mean, so not that I can think of now, no. It occasionally flares up the debate about the Rooney rule um, that is in some American sports, isn't it, where some... A uh, percentage of ethnic minority candidates have to be interviewed for a role. Mm-hmm. Is that a law over there, or is that just over here? No, no, that's the thing. It's, it's it's occasionally brought up when you, you know, get this debate flaring. And um, but it's it's not a rule over here at the minute, and it feels like it ought to be because I mean it's insane the amount of, I mean apart from anything else, the amount of percentage of black players we have playing in the Premier League and the Football League that don't then progress onto management, well, there has to be some sort of reason for that. Right. And ultimately, the reason is racism. Yeah. So we have to try and skew things the other way, yeah. don't we? Some but... sort of reason. What could it be? Yeah, what could it possibly be? Yeah, you hear that? Exactly. The sirens coming to arrest us for being too racist. <laughs> it's a thought police. Yeah, I mean, even in the U.S., like, that Rooney rule doesn't really do that much. It just forces them to be like, you know, we have a token podcaster. Yeah. They have a token candidate that comes in. <laughs> they're like, oh, Oscar Puente? Okay, we interviewed a Hispanic guy. Great. Okay, now give it to the white dude. Like, you know, I mean, like, that's unfortunately the reality of the world. And we are, like, making strides to be better as a society in 2019. But, like, we're still a long fucking ways away from having a female manager, I think. Um, it, it genuinely feels like, and this is awful to say, but it genuinely feels like not in my lifetime. Well, you know, so that, that's not that much. <laughs> Fuck you. I, I mean... You so, brought it up. That was, you brought it it up. was an open goal, that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was an open goal. That is. Uh, Emma Hayes has been a better manager for Chelsea Ladies than any manager we've had in a long time at Chelsea. So it's it's, it's not a deserved thing. She's a fantastic manager. She really is. And like Conte had a good season. Mourinho had a good season. But she's been consistently fantastic for the Chelsea ladies. I would absolutely. No, I'm not over Frank because I love Frank Lampard. But like I would have <laughs> taken her over. Sorry. There you go. And Adam P's second question is, is there anything Megan Rapina can't do? <laughs> uh, go to the White House Is that because she can't Or she just wouldn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She said um, I'm not fucking going to the White House Did you see that Yeah yeah, So really. good so good. They just had the parade in New York today I thought about going but then I had to record with you guys um, But they are going to be visiting Congress And uh, Nancy Pelosi So that's kind of a middle finger at the White House Which I appreciate Yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Obama took a picture wearing his U.S. women's jersey, which was also nice. And Trump's over there in the corner sulking about how they won. 
He was like, let them talk. When they're winners, let them talk. Like, bitch, they're in the final, and then they well, won. Yeah, how like, dumb was that as a comment? I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, nah, she's a hero. She's a superhero. She should be on the Avengers. Love her hair. Maybe do uh, Captain Marvel's hair that way for the next movie. <laughs> That's it. Let's go. I'm all in. Okay. Regarding our listeners, we ought to mention that we have a Patreon page. So if you want to uh, keep this podcast going, you've listened to this episode, you think, yeah, I want more deep dives into ridiculous rule changes and I want to keep funding that. Then you can go to patreon.com slash milesoffsidepod and you can donate there. There is extra content if you do that at the $5 a month level. I'm going to start my FPL podcasts up this week. I might talk about how bad last season was for me, but uh, then I'm going to definitely talk about the price compression there's been. You've got to really make some choices. Have either of you tried to make a fantasy football team yet? I have not typed in the website. You're not logged in yet? No. Possibly a good decision. Oscar, have you? Uh, I made mine on the first day, but mostly as an excuse to play with some spreadsheets, and then I immediately forgot about it. It looks like it's going to. there's some choices to make this year. They've really compressed the prices, like... There, there aren't that many budget players. There really aren't. And like we were talking about whether Salah would get a price rise. He's been docked to 12.5. So it's it's weird. And Sterling's 12. You've got to make some decisions. Anyway, I'll save, I'll save it for the FPL pod that I will do for the Patreons. Uh, Oscar does his nerdy newsstand. So why don't you say what the nerdy newsstand is, Oscar, for any new listeners? Yep. On Friday mornings, uh, I get up a little bit early before I go to work. <laughs> and I record a quick thing about whatever the big nerdy news stories are for that week. So, like, you know, for example, they just announced that Sandman, a very, very popular Neil Gaiman comic, is getting picked up as yeah. a series by Netflix. Yeah. So that would be something I go through in a in a genuinely rapid-fire news <laughs> segment. <laughs> so I say a story, I throw a few words out there, maybe, like, do a minute on each, and then uh, push it out to our Patreons once a week. Or half an hour on Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, or have an hour on the food choices at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge when they first announced all that. Yeah. I'm going to get a hot dog. Or when uh, I'm one of my favorite nerdy newsstands I did was when the Rise of Skywalker trailer came out. And yeah. I was I was traveling that day, so I didn't have time to like actually sit down and do something. So driving home from work, I was just screaming yeah. at the top of my lungs like a fucking crazy person. Yeah, that one is great. You're just, yeah, driving and shouting about how excited you are about this trailer dropping. <laughs> you very nearly hear me hit, like, a school bus at one point. <laughs> I'm like, fuck out of the way! Did you yeah. see Ray? Skywalkers are coming! <laughs> and Chuck occasionally releases things where things. Uh, he's in the shower and has thought things. Uh, they're usually quite random. And occasionally does, like, a sort of match of the day roundup as well. I keep my options open. Yeah, very much open. That that your additions have been wide ranging, to say the least. <laughs> Shower thoughts, world of rage, yeah. match of the day challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's been enjoyable. Things. So there's lots of extra content on there if you want to donate uh, five dollars a month, which is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Five dollars a month, and it keeps us in hosting fees and the like. Um, but if you want to get in touch with us, we are on Twitter at Miles Offside Pod. We're on Facebook, Miles Offside. We've got an Instagram now. Whoa. Oh yeah, I saw. I was um, I was traveling when I saw that. Which one of you guys did that? <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I've started putting little thirty-second like teasers of the episodes up as a sort of video snippet. 
So whenever I say something particularly stupid, it just goes yes. on our Instagram? Yeah. That's what it's going to be? Nothing to do Great. with me. Nothing to do with me looking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, and you can email us uh, milesoutsidepod at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to be figuring out some games and stuff that we're going to do for the upcoming season. Yeah, I think I'm going to be running a draft Premier League Fantasy League. Okay. Um, we did have some requests for that from some of our more uh, interactive listeners. Um, great idea for a prize for that, where we will make... Uh, we'll see how much it costs. I might run this out of pocket or I might charge a little entry fee into the draft league, make it a Patreon thing. Perhaps, haven't worked out the details, but winner will get a custom pair of socks with the Miles Offside logo all over it. Big ugly green socks that says Miles Offside. Hang on, why haven't I got these? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't made them yet. They're like 30 bucks a pair or something. I don't know, I have to research it, but... Okay. They're not cheap. What is it, Peter Griffin? Here is a blank check, write whatever number you want in this box and yeah. I will pay it. <laughs> Speaking of which, I think our next episode will probably be a FPL or fantasy draft even look at that game and uh, the players available and what we think you should do. So we're going to have a little bit of an FPL tip the next week. What do you think about that? Ah, oh, fine. I'll log in and make a team. Yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> you could do it live on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Don't don't log in until next week and then you can look at it live. I'll have prepared a team. Oscar can talk about draft and that's how we'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my... I had fun doing that last year. That was one of our first, like, post-World Cup podcasts. We're not, like, a fantasy podcast full-time, but it was nice to, like, have, like, a special. Indeed. And that's us. We're back for season two. Woo! Yay! Two, two, two. The deuce. Um, thank you very much, gents. It's been great talking to you again. It's been far too long. Good to be back. But, yeah, we're very excited to start this new season with all these very exciting rule changes uh, <laughs> and having more of you on board and getting to know more of you. So, as Ian said, follow us on the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, uh, DMs, words, email, internet. internet. And that's about it. So thank you very, very much for listening, guys, and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>